Welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. This is your host, frickin' Mark Taylor. Grab a beard, stay a while, and we do anything. We go from all genres, man. We go from brand to brand and Metallica. So party on, dude. Welcome to the Freeform Rock Podcast. Today we have special guest, Lee Gersman. Introduce yourself, Lee. Hey, how's it going, Mark? This is Lee Gersman, and I'm... Ready to do another review. The Irishman in me just likes to talk about music, so I'm all fun and games right now. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love talking about music. Glad you do too. Uh, so, we're going to talk about 1983's uh, Duran Duran, uh, their third album in three yeah. years, uh, I think. I think. I think the first one was 81, 82, and 83, right? <laughs> they just kept, kept uh, uh, I remember, um, you, you know, know, I was like reading a 16 magazine back in the day. My my years back then, I'm, I'm kind of older now, so I don't remember the years, but I was thinking it was either 79 or 80 or 81 or 82 or whatever, but they talked about Duran Duran, and I hadn't heard their music right at that point because they were just brand new but then I heard Planet Earth and then later um, I heard a couple of songs off Rio and um, my mom went to the record store and Van Morrison's parents owned the store in the neighborhood where we lived and she asked what album should I get for Lee for his birthday and they picked Duran Duran's Rio and then I got that and then I became more really into them and then when seven and the ragged tiger came out i heard the hits and then i had heard the album like long ago and it has been a long time since i heard it but we're talking yeah from my memory i don't know whether it was 83 or 84 but those are my high school years so 83 is a good guess yeah, it, 83 is when it came out. It's her third studio album, and uh, I'm going to start talking about it in a second. But I just how I got into this album was uh, I was already into Rio and the first album, you know, Girls on Film cool. everywhere. Oh, you know? yeah. Hungry Like the Wolf was all over uh, MTV, Rio. They were my favorite group at the time when I was listening to them. I remember walking home in 1983 well, 1982, listening to Rio and Michael Jackson's Thriller at the same time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> School, yeah. So, it's a really good album, and I, I still listen to them to these day, to the, the these days. I really love their All You Need Is Now album they released like about three years ago, but then they went weird on the last album, mm. Paper Tiger. But I don't know, I'm starting to get, they're going like more like dance on Paper Tiger when uh, All You Need Is Now sounded like early 80s. Uh, I should I should listen to that because I I don't know if I've heard that album so you know I I'm gonna make a check mark to check that one out. Yeah, it's a good album. I, I really like the song on uh, on that album called "The Man Who Stole a Leopard." It's pretty cool. Oh, it's oh, like based on a true cool, story. Cool name. Too. Yeah, it's it's based on a true story too. Go figure. Somebody did steal a leopard and had it in his uh, apartment and lived with him. Ah. <laughs> Oh, that, that was, sounds sounds cool. Yeah. So we're going to start on this album with track number one, The Reflex, which was all over MTV. I remember the concert video uh, they did for this. What do you think about this track, Lee? Okay. Well, okay, this is interesting. Um, with this particular song, um, I have the same opinion that I had had back then. And my opinion was that this was too plastic sounding for me and it's like they took the middle section of a fifth song on an album and put it first and that there seems to be too much mechanicalism on this song it's not even a matter of it sounding um, dated I thought this about the song back then but I also thought if they had like someone like Debbie Gibson dancing in the video that would have been cool yeah. You know, so so this one particular song sounded sounded a little little too plastic for me. Yeah, I, I love this song, and I even bought the twelve inch maxi single on this on vinyl. Oh, I think I might have heard that. 
Yeah, it's pretty long. It's like 12 minutes, I think. It, yeah. I like I like this song. I like uh, uh, Andy Taylor's guitar. He's so underused in this band, and that's probably why he left after this album. Yeah, and yeah. He went really rock on his solo album Thunder, which was really good. You know, songs like "Don't Let Me Die Young." You know, he's oh, a, okay. he's a really good guitar player. Check out that album yeah. Thunder if you ever get a chance. It's really good. I guess I will say that yeah, I do like the guitar part on it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like his guitar playing, and yeah, I would say that my not getting into them was around the same time he left. Yeah, he left, and uh, then they got, uh, what was it, Notorious was the album after this? They got the guy, yeah. the guy from uh, Missing Persons, yeah. Warren Cucurello, to play guitar, and I really like that yeah. album, Notorious, too. So. I mean, I like him, but I thought that was a weird mix, like, you don't want fish sauce on your ice cream. You want you want nuts on your ice cream, and and and, and he sounded to me more like fish sauce. He would have been great in a shrimp Louis salad, but on an ice cream, no. That's sort of how I thought. Yeah. Well, I, I like the reflex. I still love it to this day. I just remember the video, and I went and got the concert film and watched it, rented it. You know, when we used to rent videos. Oh yeah. Cool. Yeah, and then we get into track two. The I think it was the second single on the album, "New Moon on Monday." What do you think about this one? Okay, now this is an example of the same type of song as the first one, but I like this song. This is the Duran Duran that I like, and it does sound a little bit like an outtake from Rio, but a pretty damn good outtake. But yeah, "New Moon on Monday." Um, it's interesting because that and the reflex have, to me, similar sounding things, but the difference is New Moon on Monday is like a coat that when I put on, it fits, and, and, and I feel comfortable in it. It's, it's a good song. Uh, I was thinking when I was listening to this album again today that you think about the 80s, how it was all synth heavy, right? And you, um, had, yeah. you had three bands in this era who played synths, but it doesn't sound dated. Duran Duran, to me, is one of them. Because they do the synths, they don't overdo it, they use it as background filler. Which is really yeah. cool, and uh, the guy is a really good synth player. If you saw the making of uh, Rio on uh, Netflix, oh my god, he, he was Nick Rhodes was talking about how he did this back riff, and then they came up with a song for it, you know, on certain stuff he's like really the heart of the band nick rhodes the oh player. yeah and uh and depeche mode is another one of those bands that doesn't sound except for i just can't get enough is kind of dated though but oh i still like that song though yeah i do too and uh the cure used a lot of simps but they they turned it down they didn't overdo it like uh dead or alive yeah. and and all the like uh kaja oh, yeah. or whatever you know they they, they kept it where it's not dated, and you can listen to it today and still enjoy it without saying, oh, that's the 80s, yeah. you know? To me, The Cure is like, they were like their own group. It's like each album was totally different than the other, and in fact, a lot of times each song was totally different than the other. So they were a group that, it's like, take a chance. But I like that about them because they, they were unpredictable for me. And so I could imagine getting any Cure album and maybe enjoying some of it and maybe not enjoying some of it, but at least it would be like, I never knew what to expect, but I, the album like The Top, I love that album because it's so completely um, different. Yeah, the, the Cure, the, I remember there's two groups in the, in the 80s that I listened to and my mom couldn't stand, she goes, don't listen to the Smiths and don't listen to the Cure around me. I can't stand their singers. <laughs> <laughs> that's usually the impetus for someone to listen to them. Yeah, that's what my, my mom, I said, instead of like going really metal, she was okay with me being metal, but huh. my rebel version was doing alternative <laughs> with her. <laughs> that, that reminds me of a friend of mine who his parents, um, they're all good friends of mine. They, they like kind of heavy rock and some some you know rebel music and punk and stuff and so he was starting to listen to like 13th century chinese kyoto music that sounded like a buzzsaw 
like he was like way out there and they said that was a little bit disturbing and I said now that's pretty damn um, rebellious for a guy to be able to freak out his parents who are into the same music that we are and then went, yeah that's true yeah that but, yeah like I told Bill Wayne on my Cure episode, I said, yeah, my, I was being a rebel by listening to the Cure and the Smiths back then, not uh, Def Leppard, Quiet Riot, or like the heavy bands, Metallica. She said, oh, I don't like this. You can listen to the other stuff. Because she, she was into Aerosmith and all the Eagles and Rock and stuff. She was cool oh, with that. Okay. But when I started listening to like Depeche Mode, so she goes, what are you listening to? <laughs> I freaked her out. <laughs> I guess it's the keyboardness. Maybe she thought I was going to dye my hair pink or something. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then we get into track number three, which is one of my favorite songs off the album. Not a single. I'm looking for cracks in the pavement. What do you think of this song? Oh, okay. Now, this is a little bit different. To me, it sounds like it could have been on Roxy Music's Al Manifesto. And in that context, I was kind of able to get into it. It, it took a little bit of getting used to, but, but, like with a lot of the songs on this album, once it started to get going, I was like, damn, this is pretty good. Yeah, I really, really like this. Yeah, I really like uh, Simon LeBond's tone on the way he's singing on this song. I've always liked his voice, and I've never stopped liking him. I listened to him in Arcadia, the side band he had with uh, John Taylor, which is pretty good, too. Oh, no, okay. not John Taylor, but the drummer. You never heard of Arcadia? I mean, I heard a little bit, but no, you you know more than I do. Yeah, well, it wasn't John Taylor. John Taylor was in Power Station. It was uh, the other Taylor, the drummer that was in there with him, and oh, okay. and Nick Rhodes, the keyboard. So it was like three oh, Duran right. Duran making uh, just with no John Taylor, <laughs> a bass player. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, because uh, Andy Taylor was in uh, the Power Station with John, and that band smoked. You yeah. Know? And, oh uh, yeah. Yeah, I like this song. I love the chorus, Something on My Mind. I uh, love it a lot. It's, it's a, yeah. one of my favorite songs off the album. And then you get to song number, track number four, I Take the Dice. What do you think about this one? Well, um, I'm going to start this by saying I'm getting a strange impulse to wear a wig like Dee Snyder <laughs> and put on a yellow hazmat suit like Devo and dance to this. That's, that's what the first... Um, a um, few seconds of it made me think about doing. It sounds like a combination of Debbie Gibson and Cindy Lauper, but in a more intellectual way, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Again, it's a bit weird, and I had to adjust to it, but like, just like the Cracks in the Payment song, I really like it. It's, it's, it's not the Duran Duran that I remember from Rio, but it's a Duran Duran that it's like an acquired taste that I'm acquiring. Yeah, and so, yeah, um, I'm glad that I listened to this a second time, because the first time that I heard it, it was more like I was younger and da-da-da-da, and now that I'm older, I um, the maturity of listening to it again now, I, I see that it, it mimics a not mimics, but it's a lot like a lot of the other stuff that I'm into. So yeah, they were really, this song is really pretty good. Yeah, it's a good song. It starts off kind of quirky with that do-do-do-do that goes throughout the whole song. You think yeah. it's going to be a dance song, but you listen to the lyrics, he's like talking, hey man, I'm going to stand up for myself, but I'm going to take the dice this time, you know, I'm going to be a leader. You know, Duran Duran got pushed into that pop band, I guess they were the first new romantic band. I guess back yeah. then they called it New Romantic. Nobody even knows what the fuck that is anymore. <laughs> they just <laughs> yeah. they just call it New Wave Rock Pop now. But um, yeah, Duran Duran is like one of the. You listen to this. The, all the musicians are great. John Taylor is a killer bass player. You got Nick Rhodes on synthesizer keyboards. You got Andy Taylor on guitar player. You got um, uh, God. I can't. I never I always forget the drummer's name. They're all Taylors. I'm a Taylor. You know, but this yeah. band is like, <laughs> there's three Taylors and they're not even related. How weird is that? <laughs> and, and in fact, I, um, and then when we have time, I can mention to you what they thought about that. <laughs> cool. Uh, yeah, I, I like this song a lot, man. It's really cool. And 
the musicianship on this band is just stellar, man. And then we get into track number five of Crime of Passion. What do you think of this one? Ooh, this song, this sounds like a really cool Roxy Music song. And um, I thought to myself, if you remember the movie Dirty Dancing, I wish I was Patrick Swayze dancing with Jennifer Grey in Dirty Dancing, but this was the song playing. I, I could imagine um, this being a really cool song for a movie like that, or like um, Wild Orchid with Mickey Hart and Corey Otis, or just the scene where two people are dancing in a hot, sweaty, either the nightclub or the, um, the, the ground in Mexico or somewhere, like a Grand Grand film. But yeah, I, I thought this was like a sneaky, good, um, cool dance. Well, not, not like a dance tune, but like an erotic tune that two people can dance to in order to get in the groove. And, and, I, and I really dug it. Yeah, I think Andy Taylor, the guitar, really shines on this. He gets some leads on here, and the rhythm is just killer, man. He, he does slight leads. He doesn't really, like, shred like an Eddie Van Halen, but he just goes with what the song is. It's probably why yeah. he left, because he, he really wanted to shred. That's why he did Power Station and did his solo yeah. stuff. But now he's, like, he came back with him in 2004 with Astronaut, and he was kind of missing in that band, too, still. So, um, yeah. I really like this song. I think the the drums. Roger Taylor's the drummer. You got Roger Taylor oh, yeah. on drums. You got Nick Rhodes on keyboards. Simon Lebon vocals. Uh, oh God, John Taylor on bass. It's just a, yeah. And then Andy Taylor on guitar. Man, this is the last album that it was the last album made with the original members until 2004's oh, yeah. Astronaut. But this is a great and, song. The rhythm, it has like that yeah. dun dun to the, the good. You could like kind of make a metal song out of this if you like speed it up and and, and take out the synth. It'd be, I think this could yeah. be a good metal song. I really like in it fact, a lot. Yeah, in fact, I think in some ways that it's, it's like, even though Andy Taylor was the guitarist, when I first heard about them on MTV, they were talking about them more as a synth band and so even though he was very much there and doing guitar it's like back really back in the early days when people were hearing them they were thinking of them more as just a synth band which now that i realize it it's kind of like the police and how andy summers even though he played guitar he had this sort of interesting sound which could also sound kind of like a, a synth. And in some ways, I would say Andy Taylor had the same sort of predicament that Andy Summers had, that he was a great guitar player who was told to kind of just keep restricted on certain melodic things and not really shred. Yeah, Andy Taylor. Uh, Andy Taylor's a really not used very well in this band but he he does shine a lot on this on these songs man i really oh, love it definitely. and there's a lot of a lot of people have done metal versions of duran duran songs i've heard come undone done by uh, the band mike portnoy was in after he left dream theater i forgot the name of the band oh okay yeah it's i, I don't know the name either but... yeah but i've heard people do metal versions of duran duran songs that's why i'm thinking they 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 yeah. could, they could turn a lot of their songs into metal versions. It's really good, and uh, yeah. a lot of metal a metal hard rock people love Duran Duran like I do, and then we get into oh, yeah. track number six. I think it's the third final single off the album Union of the Snake. What do you think of this one? All right, well, it's a good sound, a good song, but it's like it sounds more like traditional Duran Duran. So, well, some people might think if they listen to this song on this album after the other ones that were more avant-garde, that this one might sound a little less impressive. But on its own, if you listen to it just as a song on itself, it's solid and entertaining. And I hear a little bit of 
a David Bowie influence on it, and it is a very good song. It's just that, for me, it seemed like it was less, like they were less trying to impress and less like that and more like just giving a really good solid song like maybe something that could have been like I'm thinking that to me if you have Rio and then you would put Union of the Snake as the second song on Rio I think that it would have fit perfectly in there just in my opinion yeah Union of the Snake would have been would have fit good on there but there's so many good songs on Rio, I don't think it would have room on there. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> well, that, that's a good point. Because back then, everything had to fit on vinyl unless you wanted a double album. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, that's, I, I totally remember that. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I love the synth and the, the drumming on this album. The little, the, the hi-hats he's hitting on this and... A little saxophone tenor coming in. It's freaking... I love this song, man. I've always liked this song. It's catchy. You catch yourself singing it all day. It's really good. You just keep singing Union of the Sea. It's got that catchy chorus that just stays with you. And oh, it, yeah. Yeah, it's really killer. I, I like it, man. There's not one song on this album I don't like. And then we get to uh, track number seven, which is one of my favorites on here again. I like a lot of the deep tracks on this album more than the singles. And then you get the mm -hmm. shadows on your side. What do you think of this one? Right away, this is great. It's perhaps my favorite. Simply put, I, I don't have any other, like, things to say about it. It's just the only thing I thought about is this is just simply a great song. And, and it's one of my favorites. Yeah, I like it. I like the the keyboards, doo, 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 doo. and it, it's got great rhythm. It goes fast, and the shadows are on your side. I love the chorus. As soon as the lights go down, you know I'm not gonna try to sing it. I don't want to kill people. You know it's a oh. <laughs> it's a great song, man. And then we get to track number eight, instrumental on this album from Duran Duran. What do you think of Tiger Tiger? Okay, um, this is like a cool Brian Ferry solo song. In, in my opinion, I could imagine it on his album Ammonia. Well, it is instrumental, and Brian Ferry would have words, but but if you can imagine words to it, um, I don't know whether you've heard Ammonia by Brian Ferry, but this is another great song on this album, and um, this is interesting how this album reminds me of some of Roxy Music and Brian Ferry, because um, I don't know whether or not either of them were influenced by each other, but but this song definitely does sound like like um, a Brian Ferry type of tune, but I mean that in the best possible complimentary way, because this is this is really good. Yeah, it's really good. It shows off what killer musicians they are without vocals. It shows they, oh, they yeah. could actually play. I, I like, as a kid, I would skip it at 13 because I just wanted to hear the songs, man. It's like, yeah. I, I listened to Reflex, New Moon on Monday, Union of the Snake, and I wouldn't really listen to the other songs. I just listened to the singles over and over and over. And then as I got older, I started rediscovering this. I'm going, you know, these songs are better than what the singles were. And especially yeah. especially the instrumental, man. It, it shows that they could really play. Until I got a good car stereo, I didn't really hear how good John uh, John Taylor's bass was, man. I'm like, God, this guy could really kick it. Really yeah. great bass um, player, man. These, these guys were really, really good. Oh, yeah, and I'll just mention quickly that from what I heard, when the three Taylors got together and they found out their last names were Taylor, they were like, right on! And they actually were thinking if they could have a group where every single member had the name Taylor in it, that would be great. But they, they had to be satisfied with just those three. And they were not related, but it was just, they, they really dug it. And they were like, yeah, we love the fact that, that three of the members are Taylor. 
so they purposefully came together because of that too yeah and this this band they get pigeonholed and like oh they were like a girl band you know all the girls loved them but they got older and older and they still had hits you know with ordinary yeah. world and because they're musicians a girl band you're not going to see justin bieber in about 10 more years making music man because he's, he's going to be his his fans are going to grow up and say what the fuck was i listening to you know i think i i i tried i think i thought i am a man enough to be able to stand pressure and pain so i decided i was going to listen to a whole song by Justin Bieber just to see if I could handle it. I can't handle it. I'm either not man enough or I'm too man. But no, I mean, um, there's one song that maybe I almost was able to hear all of it, but no, I have not to this day been able to hear one whole Justin Bieber song. It's like, like, um, I'm sorry. No, I don't want to lose my lunch. Yeah, when he loses his looks, man, he ain't going to have any fans. He's going to be like the back door boys in One Direction. Run Direction's really going downhill now. <laughs> yeah, um, I think I think the 10 seconds that I heard of One Direction, I thought they were okay. But generally, um, I, I run from that stuff. Like I run from a bomb when I see it in a bomb site. It's I just, run. It's, just it's not my thing. It's just... Frivolous, frivolous, what? Frivolously pop, you know. It's just yes. It's of today. It's not something that's gonna last. It's like Duran Duran. They carefully crafted their music, even though their albums were a year apart. It was thought of and how we're gonna do this and how we're gonna do this. Watch the making of Rio, and you can see how much oh, time yeah. and effort they put into the, their music. You know, that's why they're still around. Bands that are still around, that's still making albums, they're still doing good. You don't see. New kids on the block. They're doing a, a reunion tour or whatever. It's just the freaking the moms now are going. Oh, I saw this group as a kid. Let's go see them. But if they try to put out new music, it's like fuck this shit. <laughs> it's like 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 maybe one song might have been co-written by one member and five outside guys. Yeah. Whereas Duran Duran, they wrote all of their stuff. That to me is the marking of a group, not necessarily even the instruments, because um, some people might say, oh, you don't have much guitar, you're a fake group. No, a keyboard can be as interesting as a guitar, it's just, are you a real musician? And if you're able to write your own songs, to me, that's the sign of a really talented group, and someone who just plays by the numbers and has a bunch of studio session musicians with them, no, I'm sorry, you might do something that's kind of okay, and if, let's say, if Jimmy Page and Eddie Van Halen were the background musicians in some pop thing, I might be interested because they were in it, but no, you can't get me excited over Diane Warren or John Bon Jovi, well, no, not John Bon Jovi, but um, Desmond Child. Well, okay, I'll say John Bon Jovi too. And you know, people like like that who just um, do stuff that's like, um, no. Next. I like Bon Jovi. You know. Okay, okay, yeah. That's why I kind of retracted it. I like a couple of songs of Bon Jovi. But what yeah. I mean is... At least they're well, real and they don't use outside writers, too, so... <laughs> well, well, well yeah, they, they did use Diane Warren and Desmond Child, but 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 maybe not... To, but then again, Paul Stanley did, too, in Kiss. Yep. So, yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll, I'll also add, I don't like fake, crappy Paul Stanley. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll whip myself in the butt on that one. Yeah. But no, I mean... But, but yeah, um, generally, though, boy bands who don't write their own songs, I'm sorry, Duran Duran is not one of them. They are a real good band. See, Duran Duran on the paper, their new tour, they sold out Hollywood Bowl, man. Come on. You won't see new kids on the block selling out fucking Hollywood Bowl right now. <laughs> no way. No, no way. They might sell out the, um, the, the Finger Bowl in a Chinese restaurant. One little ant inside the Finger Bowl. I, I want to see you. 
Because even though the girls attached to them because they were good looking, they were in Tiger Beat and all that shit, they actually made music for themselves and not to make a hit, you know? Yeah, yeah. They love music. You could tell when a group loves music because they're around forever. Oh, definitely. And yep. Yeah. And, and, and the fact that even though I'm not going to say that I liked Warren Cucurillo in them, the fact that they had a guy like him as opposed to just some studio hack, you know, at least they got someone who had talent. So they were still very much conscious of who they had in the band, and I do respect them for that. Yeah, I wish they'd bring him back. <laughs> I like Warren Cucurillo. He, yeah, he I, some... I do. I, I mean, I I would prefer to hear a solo album from him. But yeah, I mean, I I would be interested in hearing a uh, interview with him about his time with Duran Duran. I I think that would be interesting. Yeah, that would. I I really enjoyed his albums he made with them, except for Big Thing. Big Thing was more like a disco album, but they, you know, they're a band. They they try to get new sounds. You know, yeah, I like I like yeah. All She Wants Is, but. Still, I actually like that one too. Yeah, it is. But there's some good songs on there, but it just turned me off. I'm slowly getting into the new album because they brought me back with the the, la the all you need is now is like it had the Duran Duran sound and had the musicianship. Yeah. And now they went back to they have the producer, but they brought the Sheik guy back in to produce with that guy who did the last album with them. Um, he's oh, okay. A, he's the guy who did Uptown Funk. What's that guy's name? I I don't know the name of that song. Mick, Mick Ronson, Mick um, Ronson, yeah, produced. Ronson. He produced not, all you need. Mick Ronson, who? Something guy Ronson. He produced the all oh. you need is now, and he like produced, Guy Johnson or yeah, something. He co-produced the new album with uh with uh, the guy the guy from Sheik, the bass guitar player. Oh, um, that would be Nile Rogers. Nile Rogers, yeah, because Nile Rogers yeah. produced their album Notorious, which I really like that album. I really oh, okay. first album with Warren on it, and it was pretty. It's pretty good. I'm getting into some songs on it now, but it's it's so bassy. It's taken me a while. It's like boom, boom. Yeah. yeah. Well, I do like um, Chic. I like stuff like La Freak and I and stuff like that. So. Well, Tony Thompson yeah. was a killer drummer, man. Oh uh, yeah. In fact, when I saw Genesis live, um, when um, well, they had. Um, him on the drums nice you know um you know um tony edwards is it yeah um, tony thompson yeah huh tony, tony thompson. thompson oh yeah i think you're talking about another drummer because they had a black no, drummer in no. genesis too no 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 i i forget his last name tony what was his name again tony thompson was the drummer of chic and power station yeah yeah that, that that's who i'm talking about tony thompson oh. yeah he, he was the guy yeah sorry about that um I, I, I'd like to be such an expert, but once in a while I fail miserably. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, he, he was in the concert, and it was the Invisible Touch tour. And um, sometimes when it was an instrumental, Phil Collins went on drums with Tony Thompson. But it was like Tony Thompson was on the tour, and, and I got to see them live during the Invisible Touch tour. And the thing that I loved was that... Um, it was like I said, if they play Turn It On Again and they play it as an encore, that is going to be the highlight of my day. And they played it, and they played it as the encore. And I was like, ooh, yeah. And the whole concert was really, really good. Yeah, I'm jealous. And I never got to see yeah. Phil Collins or Genesis Live. They, awesome. they, um, they were worth it. Yeah, I, I love anything Phil Collins does. The other two, not so much. I like some Mike and Mechanics, but uh, it's um, I really love I them. almost hate all of them, except I like Can You Hear Me Now, and I like Paul Carrick a lot. Oh, I but love Paul Carrick, man. I love him. Um, I liked him in Squeeze. But I heard... <laughs> huh? I liked him in Squeeze. Oh, I love Squeeze. Yeah. But, but yeah, um... Um, a couple albums by, by Mike and the Mechanics that I got for free because the record store threw out cassette copy and I figured, well, I'll get a chance to hear them. They, this, this, this is, um, I thought it was totally pathetic. This was ap like after they were around for a while and they just did not sound 
like a group. They sounded like they hired synthesizer people, and it was just, for me, I couldn't stand it. Maybe now if I heard it again, I might like it better, but the early stuff, yeah, I do like it. Well, I like the first album a lot with Silent Running, you know, Can You Hear yeah. Me? And uh, it's really good. I love Paul Carrick, man. I like... I want to get some of his solo stuff. I heard it's pretty really good. I've heard a couple solo stuff. But, um, um, the, the the one album is one good reason. I forget if that's the name of the album, but but that was the song on it, and that's good. Cool. If you like Paul Carrick, one good reason that's the one to get. Yeah. I love it. And then we get into my favorite song off the album. It ends the album, The Seventh Stranger. What do you think about this one? Ah, your favorite? Yeah. Well. To me, well, it does remind me a little bit of Van Morrison, and to me, it was somewhat filler, and it wasn't my favorite. It seemed to kind of drag on, like, as if the album started with a song like The Reflex, which wasn't their best, and it ended with one which wasn't their best. But I'm not going to say it's horrible. I'm just going to say that... Um, to me, it seemed kind of too slow, and it seemed like... To me, it, it, it just seemed like it, it needed more. And, it, it, you know, that's that's my opinion. Well, I think they should have moved this song up to track number seven, and then put Shadows on Your Side to end the album, because they had a slow instrumental, and then the Seven Strangers slow. They that end probably would have worked. That probably would have worked on the tracking of the album. I would have liked that a lot better. Oh, okay, so yeah, um, I might listen to the tracking in that order to see if that changes, because yeah, a lot of times it is the tracking of an album. Yeah, I think, I think it should have been track seven and Shadows on Your Side should have ended the album, or I Take the Dice, one of those two. Oh, yeah, yeah, because um, I find that um, sometimes, like, I, I, I heard... For instance, Gene Simmons' solo album, Asshole, and when I heard that, um, there were a lot of songs that were just like, I didn't like, but then what I did was I heard the album from the last song up to the beginning, and so I had it in reverse order, and when I did that, if I heard a song I didn't like, I just listened to it for its own song, and then I thought, well... The next song will be better. So I went through it and, and, and it worked. And I liked the songs better that way. So a lot of times tracking can help now. Yeah, so yeah, Simon LeBon said the, the about this album, he said, the album is an adventure story about a little commando team. Seven is for us, the five band members and the two managers. And Ragged Tiger is success. Seven people running after success. It's ambition, that's what it's about. Huh. Well, that's kind of cool. Yeah, actually, this, the album title had a meaning, to, a meaning too. Yeah, I bet yeah. Justin Bieber's album titles don't have meanings. <laughs> yeah, it's like, for instance, you know that Zeppelin song, Black Dog? Yeah. It's like, people think, well, what does Black Dog mean? Well, <laughs> Robert Plant said he was in the studio, and the producer he had a black dog who ran in the studio and he saw the dog and he called it black dog but it's it, it would be like if someone said like the Beatles all my loving if they said I had um, a package of um, beef jerky in my pocket so all my loving was called beef jerky just because he thought of that it's like like it, it, it totally um, sometimes titles you know, if, if I didn't know what Seven and the Ragged Tiger meant, um, you know, I wouldn't have I wouldn't have figured it out. But uh, it does make sense. Yeah, I wanted to figure that out too. I read it on Wikipedia, and I was going, "Oh, oh yeah. that's cool." <laughs> uh -huh. And uh, so, uh, Lee, do you have anything to promote? Podcasts, shows? Oh, um, I would have to say that if you go to um, a podcast called cheese and shaving cream you won't find it if you put it on google there you'll have to go to like lee l-e-e -E, and then underscore and then gersman g-e-r-s-t 
M-A-N-N dot podbean dot com and then you'll see my episodes. I either do an episode every 20 seconds or 20 years. It's <laughs> like I, I don't I don't have any set schedule. I do plan on doing more and I will, but I am the most unprepared, unscheduled guy. I'm like, when it feels good, I'm going to do it. And that means that I may do more episodes really, really quickly. In fact, I'm planning on it. But because of certain particular scheduling conflicts and things that happened in my life that were like, damn it, why does this have to happen? That's why some episodes took longer. But if you go to Lee underscore Gerstman dot podbean dot com, cheese and shaving cream, you'll see my, um, I've done a couple of reviews. I've done a couple of things that don't fall quite under the review category. But yeah, and I would have to say, um, I'll, I'll promote something which is not really totally active right now, but it's interesting and I don't think too many people listen to these guys. Um, there's a podcast or there was um, a YouTube thing called Kiss and Tell, which is about Kiss and, and they and they review Kiss albums and these guys are hilarious. They they um, I don't want to give away some of what they talk about because they have a lot of really witty things that they say. But if you were to go to um, YouTube and one word, Movie Boozer, which is M-O-V-I-E-B-O-O-C-E-R, Movie Boozer, and then you put in Kiss and Tell, you'll see the, um, the guy who did the episodes for, for Kiss and Tell. And they also do one of Jethro Tull, which is Tull the Truth. And, and that's also a movie loser. But, but these guys are very, very entertaining. And um, when I want to get a laugh, I listen to them because they talk about Kiss in a totally different way than a lot of other people do. But, but, they, but they're spawn on, and, and I think they're really fun. Cool. And um, do you have any albums to suggest for uh, the fans to listen to? Oh, okay. Let's... Oops. Would you like to suggest for our fans? Oh, yeah, I, I would suggest um, there's an album by Rock to Music um, called Out of the Blue, and and that's a great album. It's like, um, since I was I'm talking about Grand Duran and their um, you know, their, um, relate, their, their sound, like rock music, um, Out of the Blue has songs like, um, I, no, I'm, Country Life is the name of the album, I'm sorry, Country Life, and it has songs like Out of the Blue, and it has songs like The Thrill of It All, and, um, it's, it's really a great album. Country Life by Rock Music, that's their fourth album, and, and I think that that's a really, really good one. And then if you want to hear something that's maybe a little more rock, it's, I would say just because what the heck, Snake Spineman, their first album. Um, if, if you are able to um, get a hold of that album, the, the group Lake Spineman, I think that they do repeat some of their stuff on CD, and um, they're from like the 70s. Their first time it has songs like um, Stage Bright, and it had a song called Satin Peacock, which they said kids wanted to do. And that, and I tried to find out, I see the all family and Houston, that isn't true that guys want to do Satin Peacock, but I never had a response to the at all. But, Occasionally, I still like to keep them on that just to see if they'll eventually answer me. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, that's so. So I'd say rock music's album, 
country life and Link Simon their album, their first album. I'm gonna Both go of the two that I would suggest. Albums I'm gonna pick is uh, 1990. Uh, they only had one album because the singer died of a uh, heroin. Uh, 1990s uh, Mother Love Bone Apple, Star Dog Champion, Crown of Thorns. Just if you just get that album, you just listen to two songs. That'll make just the whole album. Bone China, great album, man. It's from the two guys in Pearl Jam, and their singer died, and they started Pearl Jam right after this album. Really great. Oh, okay. Really great band. I love it a lot. And then I pick a uh, go off here. I go to get a live album called. Uh, Mr. Big, Back to Budokan, them live in Japan. Paul Gilbert is such a great guitar player. And uh, Billy Sheehan on bass. And uh, Pat Torpy on drums. And uh, a lot of people say this was a weak group for Billy Sheehan because after Daily Roth. But dang, this group shreds, man. They play drills on some of their songs, man. <laughs> yeah, in fact, um, I heard of um, Billy Sheehan and Paul Gilbert he was in a band called Talus and the so I think the song Shy Boy was his he brought that into Daily Roth and they Talus did a version of it and Daily Roth wanted to do that song Yeah, Billy Billy Sheen's one of my favorite bass players. Him and Giddy Lee. Oh, yeah. Um, in fact, I would, I would almost be on my knees if Billy Sheen could play bass on an album. If I ever got a chance to do an album, I, I'd practically make him play the bass on it. Yeah. So, off, I, at the end of the show, I play three songs off the album. What three songs would you like, like me to play off the Duran Duran oh. album? choices all right all right lee i'd like to thank you for uh coming on my show and probably do it again one day and uh, right on. uh thank you and you did a review on an album i told you to do and <laughs> that was cool on the yeah. cure uh, how did how did you like that it was pretty cool <laughs> i like your perspective yeah, on stuff yeah i decided that that was the kind of thing i wanted to do something where it wasn't just a review but it was like like Putting it internally, where it was like, how does, how do I feel about it? So yeah. It was like a soundtrack to my thoughts. That was cool. All right, Lee, All right. you have a great day, man, and uh, right. talk to you sure. later. Thanks for being on All the show right. again. Yeah. All right, bye. Okay, bye.
Those are some kick-ass tracks. Now I want to promote some podcasts and friends of mine. The Combat Rock and Metal Podcast with Dr. Fuck, Raffiera, and um, Ian Wadley, Wadzilla. Go listen to them on Podbean and iTunes. And also the Decibel Geek with Chris and Aaron. And also the Terrence and Friends Podcast, my former buddy and uh, friend. I, I want to promote them one-on-one with Mitch LaFon, Focus on Metal, and... Um, And uh, the Eddie Trunk Podcast, man. You guys have a kick-ass day and take it sleazy. Bye.